Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Every author who hires a ghostwriter makes one demand. You must capture my voice. But how easy or hard is that? Do they even know what their voice is or sounds like? I'll tell you a funny story about that later in the podcast. But for now, let's get started. Hi, I'm Dan Janelle. I'm a ghostwriter, book coach, and developmental editor. And I'm delighted to welcome Ann Jamzer to our podcast today. Anne has written numerous books about the science of writing. I call it the science of writing. She might not call it the science of writing, but she's one of the deeper thinkers I know about the whole writing process. And we're going to talk about voice and how to capture it. And uh, we're going to hint at a survey that she has been doing to talk to ghostwriters and authors about the use of voice. And we'll put a link to the actual survey results in the show notes and those should be available sometime in April 2023. So be sure to check on that for the latest survey results. Right now, they're not available. Um, so stay tuned. Hey, Anne, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here to talk about voice. I'm excited about it. <laughs> so are we. You know, well, let's let's start with the basic foundation. What is voice? Voice is very very simply, huh, there's no simple answer. Voice is how the reader perceives the person behind the words, right? So um, it seems so simple. And yet, you know, when I did research on this, I ended up really quickly down this huge rabbit hole. Um, there's poetic voice, there's literary voice. Um, and there's a, a really interesting, since you said I talk about the science of writing, I'm going to share with you something, uh, some research I found that said 70% of us as we read, we hear an inner reading voice in our head. We hear the words. So your reader actually often gives your words a real voice in a sense. It's just inside their head rather than outside. So the metaphor of the spoken voice, it's very interesting, carries over in many ways to the writing voice. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that voice is something we intend, but our readers interpret it is a it's a partnership <laughs> between you and your reader. Um, so it's tricky and it's a fascinating subject. A lot of fun. That is, it opens up so many more questions than I would have asked. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> let's go off script for a second. So when the reader is reading your work, they're reading it in their voice. So that adds another variable to the whole equation that I hadn't even thought about. Is that correct? Yeah. So sometimes it's their own voice. And apparently sometimes it's another voice that they um, provide, that they just make up for you, right? They are assigning. Anytime we read, we assign a voice. Because if, if you think about the development of brain and the language, we have been speaking human beings for a long time. So the spoken voice is what our brains are designed to deal with. And yet we've only been writing for, you know, a really, really short time evolutionarily. So we're just using those systems as we read. Many of us, not everybody, many of us translate that into a spoken voice 
in our heads. So yes, it, it is a, it's an amalgam of the reader and the reader's maybe past experiences and your voice and all of these things coming together uh, in the reader's head, which is a fascinating way to look at it. Uh, it, it is fascinating. I'm going to have to check myself now because when I read Shakespeare, I definitely read it in a different voice. In fact, I read the, the cheat sheet version, which has it translated into modern English. So it's a bit easier. But when I see the original words, you know, you, you really have to think twice about reading Shakespeare in the original you know, version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a book now written by a woman about a woman. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I making her sound? So I'm going to think about that the next time I go back to that book. But let's go yeah. back on script. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So why is capturing voice important for a ghostwriter and for the author? Right. So for if you're ghostwriting, um, this is a really valuable skill to have in your in your repertoire of writing skills is the ability to capture different voices. Um, so I spent more years than I really want to count up as a freelance marketing writer. And I would go into different brands and I would write in the voice of the brand. And, you know, whether it was a trusted established one, I'd write a certain way. If it was a little startup that had no style guy, but they, you know, were zipping around their office on scooters, which I did <laughs> see, you you had to write in a different voice. You had to just adjust it. Um, and to some extent, you know, the more fluid you are with your writing, the more it can tap into your innate communication skills, the easier this becomes because we have um, some ability to, to mimic or mirror each other. You know, I'm sure you, if you read cognitive science things, you've heard about the mirroring neurons, that we have this uh, instinctive wanting to connect with people by mirroring. If you've ever talked to someone who has a specific accent and you find yourself sliding into their accent, like embarrassingly, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. That's your brain just doing that instinctively mirroring thing. So as writers, if you want to be a ghostwriter, it's really good to learn how to um, tap into that in your writing and uh, pick up on, on some of that. Um, and when you do this, you know, if you're ghostwriting for someone, if you're ghostwriting a, a book or, you know, writing smaller projects like articles and blog posts, um, people do want, you know, it, it's so much more valuable to them if, if they feel like it represents what they would have done had they had the time and maybe the fluidity. Yeah, you had Lisa Tenner uh, on this podcast just a few uh, few, I don't know, not that long ago. And she spoke about to be a highly paid ghostwriter, you need to be good at adopting your client's voice. So this is a set of skills that if we all kind of work on, we are upping our marketability in a sense. Um, but we're also just making people happier. Um, and frankly, you know, to be completely honest, I think it's really fun. I think it's really a really fun challenge. Ooh, how am I going to write this so that this client sees themselves in it. But of course, I'm not really writing like that client because I've read what they write and that's not what I'm doing. But they're going to feel like it's what they would have written. It's the best version of what they want to put out. Um, it's a fun challenge uh, to do. It's a lot of fun. Okay. So how can we capture our clients' voices? So, uh, so the first thing I want you to remember is that no matter what you're writing, uh, whether you're writing in your own voice or your client's voice, you are always writing a fictional character. <laughs> if you're writing about yourself, um, you are just presenting some 
part of yourself. Even if it's a deeply moving memoir, it's not your whole self on the page. It's a part of you, right? You can't fit the whole self. You're always choosing. So you're creating this fictional character that is your client, some part of your client that you're writing for. And you want to capture those attributes that bring that character to life. The way a, a novelist doesn't describe everything about the person, right? They they say, okay, that I'm going to give you three facts. He's got, you know, Columbo has a tatty raincoat and, and you know, whatever it may be, the, the telling details. And that's what you really want to get um, uh, to capture imprint. Uh, so you're not going to copy everything about how they write and how they speak. But if they have a specific mannerism or, or way of approaching a topic, to slide that in there every now and then is going to be beautiful, right? Um, so when I look at controlling voice, there, there are two sets of levers to use. All right. So one is what is on the page, what we, what you can look at things like sentence length and structure, the actual words people use, um, uh, the, the punctuation, if they write punctuation is almost a a personal kind of fingerprint of our writing that we tend to ignore a lot. And it's really interesting to look at that. Um, so, so this is uh, what lives on black and, and white. And I'm, and I'm sorry. Could you repeat that, please? There was like a dropout on the computer sound. Sure. So punctuation is almost like a, a fingerprint of our writing. It, 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 it is a set of whorls and things that kind of shows the way that we think and express ourselves. And often we ignore that. But if you're looking for ghostwriting for someone and you see that they write with a lot of dashes, which implies a certain kind of thought, you know, include some of that in your writing. If you see that they're a very much a semicolon structured thinking person, include a little bit of that in your writing. Take a look at the punctuation, which is an interesting thing that we as writers, I don't know, I tend to look right past um, until I'm at the editing phase, but it does contribute to voice in an interesting way. It contributes to the rhythm of what that inner re inner reading voice is speaking. It contributes to the sound of the words. Um, so, so look at what's on the page. Look at you know how long are these people's? How long are the sentences that my client speaks in? Uh, if, if there's a certain set of words that they often use to describe a, a product or a solution or an approach, definitely, you know, use those keywords, use those essential words so that they see their vocabulary there, assuming the words work, <laughs> so, you know, always make the client look smart. That's, that's, that's the first thing. <laughs> so, um, uh, so look at what's on the page and experiment with that. Um, this is stuff that mostly we can do in revision if we need to. Um, the more interesting and harder stuff is the levers that, that happen in our heads, right, before you write. Um, and this we can get at with some careful project planning with the client. Uh, what, I, what I would encourage you to do is to always do the groundwork of getting at who is that personality that the client actually wants to project. Um, I'm going to share with you a, 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 a marketing exercise that I did. You know, it's, it's a marketing trick, the three adjective trick, right? 
you ask someone to say, well, give me three adjectives for how you want to show up in this book if you're writing a book or the article or what you want your brand to, to be like. Three, no more than three. Um, to get them to really get at the most essential tone, the most essential things that they want to convey personality-wise. Um, and it's interesting challenge. It can stump people for a while. People will want to give you more than three, but you know, it's really hard to embody more than three adjectives in any piece of writing. <laughs> um, honestly, in a shorter piece, you're lucky if two come through, right? So that's that's the the key of it. If you can ask people to really ex uh, define this first, if you can really work with them on that first, it's going to save you so much trouble down the road because you're saying, okay, this is the aspects of this person's personality um, that they really want to come through. Now, if they give you adjectives that are clearly in conflict with their personality, oh, I want it to be cheerful and they're just mopey or something. I don't know. I don't know what you do then. Um, then I think what you're going to recognize is that you're creating, again, that fictional character. And it's going to be a little bit more composite of, of what you're bringing and what they're bringing. The only thing that, that really matters, I think, is that the, the client feels that it represents this vision of who they think they are, whether or not that is, in fact, how they present themselves to you. Um, that's going to be a more challenging situation. But then I think you just want to think of it as more of a collaborative, I'm going to be the cheerful part and, and they will be the expert part or whatever it may be, um, more of a composite. Because, of course, when you're ghostwriting, it's always a composite. You're writing. You're creating the words. Your your voice is always there. You may be like the actor speaking the lines of a script. The playwright wrote the lines, but the actor embodies it. When you're ghostwriting, you are like the actor. Of course, you're bringing your whole self as you write and putting your words there. Um, but you're trying to put together this character that represents the client that you're ghostwriting for. Fantastic. Let me tell you about a situation I had with one of my clients um, where he felt I was not capturing his voice. And to show you how crazy it was, I'll give you two examples. He had written a manual and I copied part of the manual and put that into the book because that was it was easy. It was his voice. He had written it. It was highly technical. And it was a good way of explaining it. He read it and said, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> and I was like, you wrote this. So what do you do or what should we do when we have a client who looks at what we've written and said, that's not my voice, but you know, it is. So this is so important. Um, the the one don't in ghostwriting is don't try to write just exactly like they write because they don't they may not be good at expressing who they really feel they are in their voice. It's almost like uh, okay, here's another fun science fact for you. All right, <laughs> um, I, I can't I can't help myself. Um, when you speak, a part of your brain mutes the external. Uh, the, the mutes the reception of the external airwaves coming in. So you don't hear your voice on the outside. You hear it mostly as it resonates inside your head. So if you've ever listened to recording of your voice and you're like, holy, that's what I sound like? Because that doesn't sound at all like what's going on in my head. I think, 
think that something analogous happens with writing, um, especially for people who are not inherently writers and hence are more likely to be engaging a ghostwriter. Um, they don't see their writing objectively. They, they, they have a mismatch between what the fluidity and the beautiful expression in their heads and what comes out in paper when they write. Uh, and so what you are trying to do is get at what, what they envision in their head. And so, yeah, they, their voice may come through most clearly when it's not, in fact, their words, which is crazy, but uh, it kind of makes sense psychologically. It's, but it's, I can see, Dan, your perspective, you're like, what the hey, <laughs> you wrote this. It has to be your voice. Uh, but it wasn't the voice that they thought that they were projecting, which is really, really interesting. Right. Um, let's talk about transcripts. I mean, I love recording all my sessions with my clients. So I have a transcript because when we brainstorm or just interact, they'll say something brilliant and I'll say, that's brilliant. You should put that in the book. And they'll say, what did I say? <laughs> and it's impossible to recreate. That's why it's great to have a transcript. But what I found when I, a lot of these programs that are transcripts now, and this is 2023, they're not quite ready for prime time. Some of them don't know what a period is and just have these long, long run-on sentences. Other programs I found will repeat words, even though you didn't repeat words, or even worse, or maybe not worse, but sometimes we stumble over words ourselves and don't even realize it until we see a transcript. So I'm wondering, wondering what are your thoughts about using a transcript for recording uh, your sessions with your authors? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Or what should we look out for? Oh, I think it is a good thing. First of all, it makes you more truly present so you don't have to be taking notes. So right there, that's a win. Um, and people do come out with these gems. And when you can put one of those pithy gems in there, even if you edit it just a smidge to make it grammatically correct or whatever, um, it's it's great. And, and this is um, another one of my tips with ghostwriting is sort of the, the sprinkle method, right? people don't have to see themselves in the whole dang thing. If you write a fairly clean, what do I want to say? If, if you write almost as if you were absent as the narrator, right? So we have one of the decisions we make in, in writing is how present or absent we are as the writer, right? Are we just describing the sky and not putting our personal slant on it, whatever. So if you write for a lot of cases, if you write fairly absent and then you sprinkle in the uh, the like a story from the perspective of the author and a, a few little pithy words that they say, if they're reading along and they just see little glimpses of themselves and their style, they're going to feel like they are seen and represented in the work and feel like it's their voice which is really is interesting. Um, it's, it's, I call it the sprinkle method. You know, just think about donuts with sprinkles, just sprinkle in the author on it um, as, you, as you write. Um, and generally when I have done that, especially if I'm writing about a fairly abstract kind of topic, this wouldn't work with a memoir writer or something, but uh, with a fairly abstract topic that someone's writing about, um, they really feel like, wow, you really captured my voice. And really, it's just a small percentage of working in, then I add in this personal perspective, and I just add in this and add in that a small bit, and they feel like they've been seen, they're there. Um, so 
the, you know, think about the, 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 okay, a couple things. The three questions and the sprinkle method. Those are two things that you can put to work right away um, as you go straight for people. Great. Uh, let me throw another curveball at you. What happens when you're dealing with an author who isn't very verbal or speaks in cliches or is overly flowery? So both ends of the spectrum. You know, how do you make them real characters? Yeah, um, this is tough. Uh, I, I've had this sometimes speaking with authors who, um, working with authors for whom English is not their native language too, so that the interchanges we have don't give me the language clues that I might otherwise have. Um, uh, so what do you do? Again, to make them feel seen, uh, I would look for, you are going to be creating, if they're not very verbal, you're going to be creating the voice for them that feels comfortable. Um, and I would stay to a relatively, you know, simple sentence constructs. I mean, you don't want them to, you don't want someone to read something, then meet the person and say, you know, what, <laughs> where did that come from? Right. Because this isn't the person I read. Right. So, so stay with simple language constructs. If they're overly verbal and ornate um again i would pare that down to what the reader needs because again we must always even as we're serving the client we must of course be serving the reader there's no <laughs> there's no we have to serve the reader or we're, the client is going to fail in the thing that you're writing so um i would pare it way down and then let them sprinkle in a few little ornamentations of phrase um, if they are just addicted to the cliches, um, you know, you can let one or two in maybe so that they feel like they are seen. Um, but you are many in many ways mediating between what they want and what goes into the reader's head. You've got to package that for them. So really, you are serving two audiences. You serve the client by serving the reader. And that's the argument you need to make back to the to the client. Um, I've worked with a client. I was working. Uh, he he was uh, from Spain, and in Spain, you demonstrated your education and expertise by very long, complicated sentences. And if I was working on just, a, I wasn't ghostwriting for him. I was just doing a website copy, website copy for him. And he said, oh, no, this is much too simple. We need much more long sentences. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But you are writing for the American reader who is not going to read that online. So you get to choose. Do you want it to just sound like, you know, what will make your parents happy? Or do you want to sound like what will sell your software? So sometimes you have to have those conversations as well with people, um, especially if there's cultural differences as there was in that point it was very interesting i got just so much this is much too much too easy to read <laughs> uh, i love it when grammarly looks at some of my material and says this sentence is too complicated how about breaking <laughs> it in two or replace with this version it's like you know they're right <laughs> <laughs> nine times out of ten that's the right thing to do <laughs> exactly and can you give us a couple of do's and don'ts uh, for us as ghostwriters on how to capture the voice or how to deal with clients? Sure. So uh, the do is remember that you are always creating a fictional character and not capturing that client. You're always creating that character that exhibits the attributes 
that the client wants to exhibit in that situation. Um, and that really simplifies your task as a ghostwriter, frankly, rather than trying to write as this person. Um, don't try to copy exactly what they do. <laughs> Stan's story so beautifully illustrated because they'll be like, I don't like that, even if it's their own words. Um, and uh, do ask up front, do the work to begin with on what are your intentions for the reader? What do you want them to be done? How do you want to show up? What are your three adjectives? What's the most important things for you about how you show up in this work? Um, because as you have discussions later on, you can go back to, well, let's see if this serves those three adjectives. Let's see if this serves these key objectives for this piece. Um, and that can be very, very helpful. So, uh, and, and most of all, just have fun. Treat it as a really interesting puzzle. Um, and I think it takes some of the weight off of that and lets you tap more easily into some of those innate uh, mirroring and and tone shifting skills that we do have, but we often don't put to work. Very interesting. I'm writing a business fable story now where actually are inventing fictional characters. And it's a lot of fun. You have a lot of freedom and flexibility. Right. And thank you so much for joining us today. How can people get in touch with you and who is your ideal client? Uh, so you can find me at my website, which is anjanzer.com. And there's a silent E on the Anne. Um, and you can also find hopefully the survey results there. Uh, my ideal client as a, uh, I do some nonfiction book coaching. So my ideal client is someone who's working on a nonfiction book. Usually you might've guessed I'm, I'm good with people who are writing about sciencey or geeky things. <laughs> you may, you may have noticed that about me because I'm really fascinated with, uh, translating those things to the larger audience and, and giving people the joy of of understanding and uh, getting curious about those things. So I enjoy working with authors on those kinds of topics as well. Great. Thanks for joining us today. And thanks everyone for listening. We have more than 175 other interviews on this YouTube channel to help you write your book in a flash. Check them out. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.